Monica Adams Show. I'm thrilled to have you along. If you're brand new to my show, it's all about positivity. You know, years ago, I started the Triangle of Life Theory, and it has to do with mental physical and spiritual health. What is that? 33 and a third percent of each one of them makes up 100% of the balance of life. And day in and day out, if you practice that, your life becomes more of that for you and for those around you. Every day, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., I host a show on Facebook and on YouTube that you can watch and you can listen and you can receive the message. And hopefully it takes you on that path and that journey that you've been seeking. Every Thursday, we then drop a new episode on all of the audio podcast platforms so you can watch and you can see and it can start to change your life. I'm thrilled to have you on board. Please share the message that we're here for you and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Just absolutely beautiful to have you with us. You know, one of the things I always talk about is the necessity for the balance of life. You know, I go, go, go. George, who was running the show for me, said it's like a train. He said you either are on it or it's going to pass you by. Then he calls me to train. Yes. But one of the things that I am learning more and more of is it's wonderful to give back to the world. It's wonderful to be there for everybody else, to do the life coaching, to do the personal training, all the motivational speaking, the emceeing, the auctioneering. But you've got to take time for yourself, Monica. I keep saying that over and over. I drove in this morning. I've had about a 35-minute drive. Didn't turn the radio on. Did a lot of meditation, talking to God. You know, I'm very, very faith-based. I don't push that on anybody. That's me. That's my lane. Stay in your lane. And then maybe you start to say, maybe I want to be in that lane. That lane is less debris-filled. Okay, maybe I want some clarity in my life. Well, that's what I'm teaching you. That's what I'm here for. And one of the things that you know that I talk about is right here, knowing your value, how important that is. Well, I started that back in January, and then I met a good friend of mine, uh, actually a friend of ours, a mutual friend introduced us, Rick Fessler and Stacy Fessler. They introduced me to the gentleman who's coming on my show today, Jeff Kozatek. Now, Jeff and I both talk about value. His book, we've actually been reading to you, The Blueprint. For value. In fact, we're on 15 of the 52 habits to discover and strengthen your personal worth. We're going to talk about why he talks about value. We're going to talk about his life, a great entertainer, a juggler, a motivational speaker, uh, what he went through with his wife. She went through a cancer battle, but they picked the wrong woman. She overcame that. She is a warrior. We're going to talk about all of that because, again, when I talk about pebbles and boulders, it's that kind of thing, up and down roller coaster of life. You're on the high of high, and then all of a sudden you get that word that your wife or your child or someone has cancer or something on those lines. That's the true boulder in life. How do you overcome that? How do you get through that? How are you there for them so that they can actually see the silver lining when there's so much darkness and depression that so easily can happen when those boulders happen? So I know a lot of you are on that roller coaster of life, and that's what we're here for. We're here to let you know that it will get better. There is light at the end of that dark tunnel, but you have to believe. You have to have faith. You have to have hope. And then you have to surround yourself with the right people. That is paramount in life. I've been doing a lot of life coaching since I walked away from television back in January, a lot of private life coaching. And that's where we're really revealing the things that are holding people back, the abuse and the trauma that people have had from the past, the addiction that they or someone else within their family might be suffering from. They're trying to have a better life for their children and for themselves at the same time, and it just feels like everything's coming down on them. I understand, and that is what we're here for. So this show, if you're just finding it, is all about 
positivity and the triangle of life theory that I started about four years ago, that whole mental, physical, spiritual connection of life. So if you haven't done it yet, remember, I want you right now to pick your word. And the word for our day today is value. It just makes sense. And it's what I talk about. It's what Jeff's going to talk to you about today. So our word is value and knowing it. What's your word? Let me know in the comments. I'll be looking at those throughout the next hour. Pick your intentional word and fill in that triangle. So the top of my triangle today is going to be spiritual and then mental and then physical because no one has to tell me to work out today. I'm on fire. I'm energetic. I'm going to go ahead to the gym in a few hours and get that underway. you got to move. And if maybe the physical side is the hard one for you, put that at the top of the triangle. Make sure that that's the first thing that's tended to. And then pick your second and third. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's 33 and a third percent in each one of those spaces of your triangle that makes up 100% in your day, they all have to have equal weight, but the very top of that triangle is the first thing in the morning that you think, that one, I got to tend to that one first, and then the other two have to be taken care of. It's that simple. Morning intention, triangle of life, and your gratitude in the evening. You do that on a daily basis, watch how your life changes. Value, you know, right here, this is what I have my guests sign as they come in and they have their experience, knowing your value. I, in fact, started a whole line of clothes, workout clothes, that says, know your value, a Monica Adams collection, because I know how important it is. And so does this guy. Jeff Kozatek, first of all, thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I told Jeff, I said, I have been reading this book when I'm mobile. So I do mobile, Monica, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Nice. And so when we're not in the studio, I'm reading from this book. And I told you, we're on 15 already. What? Yes. And it's been received very, very well. I know that book. You do. Actually, when, when did you write this? How long has it been? This was in uh, 2018. 18 already. Okay. Yeah. Let's introduce you to my guest. So you and I just met within the last handful of months from our friend. Yeah, Rick. yeah, Rich. Thank you, Rick. Love you. Yes, we do love you. Let's go back to, to you growing up, and we'll find out when you really discovered how important oh value is. But let's, uh, so when you were growing up, what did you want to be? <laughs> Man, when I, uh, growing up, I wanted to be a baseball player. Ah. That's so Totally unrelated to this stuff. No, no, it's not. But yeah, I, I, I love baseball. I ate, slept, and breathed baseball. I played it uh, uh, from kindergarten on. And actually, I blame my father because in first grade, I did not like it at all. And I wanted to quit. And he said, no, 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 you committed to a season. So mm -hmm. you're going to finish your season. You want to quit at the end of the season, that's fine. But you got to honor your commitment. Yes. So I played the whole season. And by the end of the season, he said, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to keep going. So uh -huh. I found my love See? for baseball, and, and that was my thing. But when I was about 13, a friend of mine said, you will never play professional baseball, and neither will the rest of us. And I just let him steal my dream. And I said, well, you know, you're, you're 12. You're really smart. You know everything. <laughs> and you know my full potential. So, okay. And I walked away from that. However, Monica, yeah. I got into film, and I mm -hmm. thought, you know, Someday, I'll be able to make a film all about baseball, and I will cast myself as the pitcher, uh, and I will put myself in to close out the ninth with uh, the game on the line, you know, two outs, uh, bases loaded, there it is, yeah, the last guy comes up to plate, and, and, and I, I take the mound, and the stands are screaming and cheering mm -hmm. because, you know, it's in the script, and then I throw three perfect pitches to win the game because of video editing, and and I get to live out my my childhood dream, right? Absolutely. But that that never happened. Something else happened. Yes. Something else happened. 
So for a long time, I used to produce a show for Delta Dental Missouri. Mm -hmm. We would teach kids how to take care of their teeth mm -hmm. with the tooth lizard and plaque man and this epic battle for oral health. Right. And uh, one day they said, Jeff, we would love for you to throw out the first pitch of the Cardinals. And I'm like, get out. <laughs> That's like fulfilling my childhood dream, yep, right? Yep. And they said, and we want you to throw it to this guy named uh, Albert Pujols. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so we get there and they say, oh, by the way, the CEO uh, would like to throw out to Albert. So you're going to throw out to Robinson. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. That's totally fine. We're going to still do it. Like, and you got to do it in the robes. You know, do it as the tooth wizard. I'm like, that's that's fine. You Give me the pointy hat. <laughs> Give me right. And um, and I got out there and I threw and I I saw that. Did you throw a strike? Well, I don't did remember. It even, did it even go across the plate? That's the most important thing. <laughs> that's a great question, and I can't answer that because nobody took pictures of that. They Aww. only took pictures of me smiling afterwards, and that's what stuck out, stuck out, stuck out stuck for me out. because I'm I'm a professional speaker. <laughs> But what stuck out for me was that I didn't remember anything because at that point in my life, my worth, my value was mm -hmm. totally tied to my performance. Mm -hmm. And so here I am essentially fulfilling a, a childhood dream, and I don't remember it because I was so focused on the next to-do, the next project, the next meeting I had. And yep. so I missed, I missed all of it. So How often do you hear me say to be present, to be in the now to live right for this very second. We're not promised the next one. I mean, no. here we are. People don't understand this, Jeff. And I've tried to use this example. There are so many times, and it's happened to people that I know that are within my family, like with cousins. I know very good friends that this has happened to. And they're like, what, what do you mean live for the second? Well, yeah. right now, Jeff and I are sitting here talking. But I have told stories about a cousin of mine who lost her husband, and all she did mm. was go inside came back outside, he was sitting against the fence to go get an iced tea. And in the time that she left and came back, he had an aneurysm and he died. Oh my Same gosh. thing happened to a very dear friend. The, the, the woman was on the couch, uh, the kids were around, went in to, to go do something with the kids, came back, she had a brain aneurysm. Wow. So when I say seconds, I do mean seconds. Yeah. So, right, we get lost so much, don't we, Jeff? We, we get do. lost. We do. And then we start listening to what other people say we mm -hmm. can or can't do, and then we change the way we live our lives, and we we stop showing up and we miss those seconds yep. we miss those moments yeah the power of the moment is is just powerful i've told the story about i've had bosses that have put me in the corner i told you the story yeah. uh, squashing my dreams trying to trying to squash my dreams until i understood my value right. you talk about pwa in the book your personal yeah, worth your account personal worth account so tell us a little bit more about that Growing up, I thought that my worth, my value was tied to something external. Mm -hmm. I thought it was tied to either my performance, my appearance, my property, my relationships, or my circumstances. Usually one of those five buckets. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I thought it was outside, I always thought that I had to go find more. I had to earn more worth, more value, and I couldn't stop. I couldn't take breaks because that was not like it was in zero sum, so I had to keep adding to it. When I realized that the worth, that my value was actually internal and that it never changed, uh, that changed how I showed up. It ch changed how I showed up in relationships, at work, and at home. Um, on a scale of zero to 10, it is a 10 all the time. Even if I act like a six, <laughs> I'm still a 10. Even if I'm treated like a two, mm -hmm. I'm still a 10. And then I realized that even though my intrinsic worth, my intrinsic value never changes, my perception of it changes on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, and that's the, the personal worth account. When my perception drops, 
my behavior shifts. Mm-hmm. When my perception drops, my, my attitude shifts. So I wanted to put together 52 habits to help keep my attitude, my perception high to match the reality that I am now, have always been, and will always be a 10. Powerful. It's, it's powerful from people who, when they were young, were told, you're not going to be this. Yeah. And, and then you believe that. You give so much power to someone else who's not living your own life. And we've all done it. Look, we've all been guilty of it until all of a sudden you have something so powerful inside of you that says, no, dang it. No, I can do this. Yes. Yes. I know I can do this. Okay, so we're talking about value. Before we get into more of this book, you have been an incredible entertainer, a juggler. Aww. You didn't even want to do juggling, can but you told me. Uh, yes. What did you yes. say? Can we quote you? Yes. You can incredible quote. Incredible entertainer. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, so, I love how magic. How juggling? It was my it was my mom. It's my mom's fault. I I loved magic as a kid. I had the the magic kit at home. I loved David Copperfield. Sign up for a magic workshop. Hey, um, but on the way to the magic workshop, my mom leaned back. Oh, that's Lord Business. That was a lot of fun from the Lego movie. Yeah, I wish those legs would like extend and retract. Anyway, so I was on my way to the magic workshop, and my mom said, by the way, Jeff, the magic workshop is full, so we put you in the juggling workshop instead. And I thought, why? Nobody likes juggling. Oh, that's not true. Oh, hey, there's uh, Tino Walenda. I am that was fascinated fun. by something. Normally I look up to him, but now he has to look up, look up to me. How old were you when, when this happened, when you, when, you had, when you went into juggling? I think I was 11, 11 when I learned how to juggle. And then I just set it down afterward. I did the workshop, and then I was done because I didn't, I didn't want it. But you truly believe that nobody enjoyed juggling. No, yeah. nobody enjoyed watching juggling. Well, I didn't. So why would anybody else? I mean, oh. I'm 11. I feel you know, the world revolves well, around. That's true. I remember right? the magic kits that I think my brother had one. I remember everybody wanted a magic kit back then. Yes, I yeah. do remember that. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, that makes sense. Juggling doesn't make any sense. In the workshop, when did you juggle? I think they were just like uh, bean bags. You know, how, but, many, how many did you do in the workshop? Well, we learned how to do three. Okay. And then I went home, and I had tennis balls, and those bounce all over the place. So but that's do, a bowling pin. Well, actually, that is a juggling club of doom. Why? It's very different. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a bowling pin, it but it's, it's a club of doom because it's plastic. When you drop that in front of other adults, things get a little, hey, little you crazy. Know what? I, hang on, though. This is a really good point. I'm glad you just said that. So... Dropping in yeah. many people's eyes is failure, mistakes, yeah. and yeah. then they might give up and they might not ever do it again. Right. Doesn't it teach you, though, to keep going and say, I got this. I can do this. It's, it's the kid who was told that they can't do something that says, watch until I can. Right. Well, I mean, don't they say growth happens in discomfort? Yes. Discomfort comes when we step out into something new. We try something and figure out if it works or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I used to do the juggling shows all the time, if I did a perfect, flawless show, I mean, the the audience was seemed to like it. But mm-hmm. if I made a mistake in the show, it seemed to bring the audience in because they're like, oh, my gosh, he just made a mistake. What's he going to do next? Yes. Yes. And and I think that there's a certain amount of, of hope that comes from that, seeing somebody else overcome yep. an unexpected challenge or mistake, especially a especially a public one. But that's what's well. You know what? What's what's the craziest thing you've juggled? Oh, craziest thing? Cats. Are you serious? They don't let go. You juggle cats? Well, I Did you get Steve caught? Martin, and I thought, hey, I, I should do that. And yeah, yeah. what's uh, the most dangerous thing you've juggled? Well, you know, probably it's the knives. I was going to say. And because, how many did you have? Well, it was just three. Okay, just three. My, did you my roll show was on three. 
Well, I learned how to juggle five balls, but really when I was doing the juggling shows, it was all about building a relationship with the audience. It wasn't so much about the juggling. So a 45-minute <gasps> juggling fire. show, right? Oh, no, that's like impressive. Five, ten minutes of juggling, <laughs> stuff like that. And then the rest was just talking to people because yeah. it's about the connection, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but fire fire was not as dangerous as the knives because if you make, make a mistake with the knives, that, that's – that's a problem. How would you have injuries? I don't I'm not gonna talk about that <laughs> publicly. Let's talk about you, Monica. Have you, have you, I, I, the greatest success comes from the most uncomfortable way. I'm not closing off myself physically as we talk about mistakes and scars. He didn't know he was gonna be into a life coaching therapy stretch. I'm just kidding. So when did you know your value? Twenty twelve. And what happened in 2012? In 2012, I was at the end of a four-year journey to find my focus because I had a video production company. I had a photography company. I was performing. I was acting, doing voiceover, also trying to be a really good husband and a really good father. And uh, I had a lot of balls in the air. Uh, a little thing. And um, and I needed I needed one of my businesses to, to grow, and it just couldn't because I was out of time. And everybody said, well, Jeff, you just have to focus. And I didn't know how to focus because I was still coming at it from the mindset that what I did made me who I was, that my choices defined me, that my behavior defined me, that my work defined me, that I was my performance. I wasn't the performer underneath. And that's when I met this guy named Jeff Arthur. And I sat down with Jeff, and we were doing a radio interview and off air. He said, oh, I can help you with your focus. I take an hour. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I spent four years on this. And he said, oh, it's just an hour. So I fought him. And then finally he said, okay, give me two hours. I'm like, well, that makes, that makes more sense. Two hours. Yeah. And I sat down with him and he did exactly what he said he would do. And he helped me build a new filter that said, just because you could doesn't mean you have to. And like, let's get down to who Jeff is as the performer, mm -hmm. not the performance out here. And, and he started to, <laughs> this is, this is the thing that really stood out, Monica. There are so many people in my life that would listen to my story and start judging or start looking down on choices or mistakes that I've made. Mm -hmm. Jeff was the first guy to listen to my story and not walk away, mm -hmm. like to listen without judgment. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, Jeff, you know, your your worth, your value is internal. It's not tied to this stuff. All of your behavior is learned. What you do comes from you, but doesn't define you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, well, well, I've done this. And he's like, okay, well, well, I've also done this. And, and, and I've thought that. Doesn't that make me a really bad, horrible, no good, very bad person? And he's like, nope. no. No. Like, so we'll, a human being. Right. He's like, so we'll meet again next week. And I'm like, you're different. Like, how do you do that? How do you sit there? and listen to my story and not judge me as a, as a horrible person. And, and I believe that comes from the internal worth piece. When we see the 10 in ourselves, mm -hmm. then we can see the 10 in other people. Mm -hmm. That's when everything changed. Well, and we all need a Jeff. We all need a person who believes. Yeah. You know, so I look back at, at my television career and knew that I had come and I had given the blood, sweat, tears. I knew in my gut like, wait, I have more to offer here than just doing X. Yeah. I want to do Y, Z and keep going. And, and I, I want to create a whole new alphabet. I've got so many things that I want to do to give back to the world. Right. Jeff knows my story. 
I know his, we're actually going to tell a little bit more about his family. And when we talk about pebbles and boulders and you're going along and, hey, you meet Jeff and you got your value and you're going along in 2012 and let's do this and let's reinvent ourselves because somebody believed. And we're going to show some pictures of, of your family. Let's start first oh. with how beautiful your wife is. Aww. We've got these wonderful pictures. Love you. Uh, what is your wife's name? Brandy. Brandy. And so there you go. And then these are your kids? Yeah, that's uh, Aiden on the left and Kale on the right. He's very excited that he is uh, that tall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. This, I saw this was labeled as favorite picture. It is my favorite picture. I love when, when my family can sit there and make goofy faces and we take the photo. Like, because that it's just real. Me joy. Is this Hawaii? Where is this? Yeah, we just went to Hawaii and, uh, oh, my gosh, I surfed with a sea turtle. That was fun. And she surfed. Yeah, it was great. And this is still Hawaii? Yes. yes. Yeah, Good that's times, in Maui. Right? So oh, these, my are, gosh. these are the highs. This is on top of the world. You're with incredible family. You're with the loved one. That's at a wedding. Yeah. Look at it all spiffed up. Right. Looking good. And then we talk about Aww. pebbles and we talk about boulders. And suddenly in life, this happens. Yeah. So she <laughs> had what type of cancer? She had breast cancer. What yeah. year? Uh, she just found out in February of 22. So it was about a year ago. And I love that sign. Cancer picked the wrong girl, right? Yeah, to strengthen did. someone. So she's obviously still in the fight of it. If well, she, if, well, I mean, we're all fighting the, something. Yes, yes. But uh, she's cancer free. Oh, they did. They do say that that early. Yeah. Well, wow. she 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 attacked aggressively. Okay. I mean, we found that out for the routine mammogram. Big big fan of those. Okay. Um, and and we hit it hard. And so she's on the other side of the surgery. She's on the other side of treatments. I mean, she's got to take the medication for a few years. But, okay. but now she's she's good. And so. she rang that bell, right? Gosh. Isn't that huge? Yeah. Now, Probably a very emotional day, right? That, just, yes. Just a little bit. Yes. Now, uh, I, she's growing her hair back. I said she should keep shaving her head, but she's not. She wanted her to match you. Yeah, like we're twinning. <laughs> we're twinning. And she's like, nah, I think I'm going to grow the hair back. I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, you know, that's it, it's interesting because, and I think I shared this with you uh, during our lunch, but in 2018, she had a massive jaw surgery yes. where, where they literally cut off half of her face underneath the skin and then fixed all of this stuff. And um, and it changed the way that her, her face looked. It was really small. Like, I love her, but when she looks in the mirror, she sees somebody different. Mm -hmm. It's just, just minute, but something different. And it's not like a mask that she can take off and put on her old face. And so going through that, accepting the, the new the new normal uh, was, a, was a long process. And she finally got out of the braces for that jaw surgery in uh, June of 21. And so we had this really big celebration. We went out. We got steak because she could eat steak, and kids are there. And we had like six months of like, yes, this is awesome. And then we hit uh, hit February, and we're like, wait, now we have cancer, and how are we going to handle that? And so, because of the way that she handled face the jaw surgery, because of the way the kids uh, were exposed to 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 that obstacle, and how we responded to that challenge. We we attacked uh, the cancer fight the same way, and so it's been it's been really cool to see the way the kids rallied around my wife, mm -hmm. the way they rallied around me, and um, and to see her continue to push forward 
through through life's unexpected changes. That's it. And and that is a true boulder, right? So we think about these arguments, oh, my husband didn't do this. He, I wanted him to cut the grass. And, oh, she didn't do the laundry. She didn't clean the dishes after this. And it's like you get into these massive arguments over pebbles until you get this type of stuff, which are more boulders. And then you have the realization of, wow, I need to go. If you're still at home, you haven't left to go for work or wherever your day is going to take you, please go over to your loved ones, your kids, your your wife, your husband, your partner. Give them a hug. Give them a kiss and say, you know what? Yeah, we are only going through pebbles. I'm I'm being taught this today. Can I push back on that a little bit? Yep, go ahead. Even though it's your show? Yep. Please, I I like people challenging. (laughs) You know, when, when we face this, so there's there's two two things, or three things, three things. Mm-hmm. When we face this, I started talking to other people that had gone through some, some fairly life-changing situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out, learn from them how they handled it. Yeah. And all of them pretty much said the same thing. It was just a choice. Like, we, we want to be here. So right. the alternative is not something that we want. So we move forward and we do what we need to do. So that's when I realized, you know what, it's not – that leads into number two, that that for us, if I look at it as here's this giant boulder obstacle and here's this little bitty pebble, then then I can put my own, uh, my, my, my mental capacity starts working against me, right? I'm going to face a pebble with a different attitude than I face uh, a boulder. So for me, it was like, you know what? They're all the same. They might look different, but it's still just another challenge. And if I look at the pebble as a challenge and I look at the boulder as a challenge, then, then I'm still approaching it with the same resources that I have, right? It's not like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be harder. No, it's just another challenge, and we're going to face this using the same system, same process, same attitude that we use over here. And then I also think what Viktor Frankl said in Man's Search for Meaning, I can't, I can't let go of this. It's a little dark, but, I mean, he was a psychologist in World War II in the Nazi concentration camp, so it, you can't not get a little dark, but he was paying attention to stuff at the time, and he was can we can we go here? Yeah. He was tasked to to clean out the gas chambers after they did their stuff, and he said that he realized, or that the Nazis realized, no matter how much gas they put in the chamber, it still filled the chamber completely, mm-hmm. right? So they were going to be conservative, and they they brought back the gas and not spending all this cash. Uh, and it's still doing its job. And then he realized, oh, my gosh, this is just like pain in a person. It doesn't matter how much pain a person experiences, it still fills you completely. So whether you experience a little bit or a lot, it's still that that's your experience in the moment. And so he's like, we're not judging this pain or that pain is worse or better. It's just it just is. And if we accept that, then we're better primed to move forward and address the situation and, and keep going. And so that's kind of the attitude that I've taken over the last five years that we've faced things. Like it's not, it's not, a, I'm not trying to compete with somebody else going, oh my gosh, well, we've gone through all of this or, or man, my life is, I wish I had a testimony like that person because wow, they've gone through a whole lot and we really haven't gone through much. I mean, my kids are still here and my wife is still here and we still have this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but if I'm comparing my situation with somebody else, then I'm then I'm judging and I'm not I'm not present in the moment and I'm not able to to fully respond to what I'm facing. 
But if I can set all that down, say, you know what, this is my situation and this is what I get to deal with. This is your situation and that's what you have to deal with. And, and we can acknowledge that and move forward. I think my coffee is kicking in, so I'm going to stop now and <laughs> no, pass it back to you. I, I love the lesson. I still will tell you that I've watched too many people and coached too many people over 30 years to watch what why I coined it the pebble and the boulder because what I need people to understand is when you look at your life and you think that you were in the dark everyone I hear people say a dark cloud's following me around I'm mm. just in a dark place and you have been gifted blessings no I'm still here when I was told my parents were told that she was going to die on the day four in intensive care and when my mom looked at life and said you know she's very faith-based to god it's very easy to say why me why did my husband get stricken with cancer then die why did my yeah. daughter have blood clot why did my son have hodgkin's disease why did i lose my best friend 10 years she went through uh boulder after boulder after boulder after boulder after boulder and she just was resilient and came through on the other side because of her faith so I tell people, you know, they'll do their life coaching with me, their private coaching, and they'll say, well, the five pounds didn't come off this week. This didn't happen. This didn't happen. My mom, my mom, I'm, I'm going to call you out. My mom, even though she's as tiny as she is, she would always do this to her legs. And I would say, but you have legs. I'm mm -hmm. supposed to be possibly an amputee or have my legs sliced. I always say, I have legs. And yeah. so when she hears me say that, she's like, okay, there's that pebble in Boulder. I get it. I get it. Okay. And I said, you can either not have legs at all, and then that person's going to tell you, so what? I don't have legs, but watch what I can do. I always think of uh, Forrest Kelly, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Lieutenant Dan. You have, you have new legs, Dan. right? Lieutenant Dan. So he lost his legs. And what did he think about himself? And he just saw himself as a freak. Like, I don't have legs, and yeah. I can't do anything. It's, it's that mentality of, I'm, you know, I, I, or I tell people, go walking through the Hall of St. Jude. Go walking through a burn unit. It'll give you a gut check of, uh, yeah. okay, now I understand what she's saying, that this is, this is life's terms, and it could suddenly be you. And so you have to always be ready, which I, is what I would agree with you. We always have to be ready and present in life. We don't know where anything ever is and just truly live. Whatever yeah. life's going to throw at us, we just need to live. Yeah, well, and, and it really comes down to the choices, right? I mean, either we choose to face it or, or we choose not to. Yeah. And so whatever we can do to strengthen our ability to show up and make that choice, that's what I'm all about. And that's why I, I think we get along yeah. so great. My coaching clients will come to me and they'll say stuff. and be like, yeah, we're dealing with this, but, you know, it's, it's not like that person, so we're just going to move on. Or, yeah, that's there, but now it's time to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I know, that, I know that you're not there yet in the book, but when you get to week 45, mm -hmm. <laughs> have it 45, pay once. We're on two. We're on chapter what? two. We're, no, we're on a quick. Right. So yeah. this is in Chapter 4, Encourage. What I love about this habit is the top line maps out how we can deal deal with stuff like this. It mm -hmm. says acknowledge, own, accept, reconcile, and then move forward. A lot of times we want to acknowledge what happened, and then we say, well, it's just time to move forward. And we don't do those three middle steps. And that's where the work is, right? Whether we're facing an obstacle or a, or a pebble or whether we're facing a rupture in a relationship, mm -hmm. if we want to repair the relationship, if we want to move past the obstacle and not have it pull us down to the bottom of the ocean, Maui was so amazing. <laughs> we can do these things, right? We can acknowledge the situation. We can own our part, what we did or didn't do. We mm -hmm. can accept the consequences of whatever is happening. And then the reconciliation part, what do we need to do to get back to, to baseline mm -hmm. before we move forward? 
if we if we just acknowledge and move forward, then then we're just dragging it with us. We have to do those three steps in the middle. That's where the work is. And I love where the work is. It's going through, you know, any person who's ever made a change in your life, do you not look at the, the blood, sweat, tears that you spent and go, wow, look at what I did. You know, when, when stuff is just easily handed to you, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's like you're gifted something, appreciate it, but I would much rather say I earned that. That's mm. where I see my value, that I earned that. I've done 30 years. People are like, oh, my gosh, your set's so beautiful. Look at the palm trees. This is amazing. Other people are just doing the podcast out of, out in, in their house, and they're, it's a makeshift. And I said, well, I've, I've given the blood, sweat, and tears. I know what it takes. I walked away because I wanted to give one huge message, positivity. Yeah. I didn't want to sit in front of uh, your screen behind an anchor desk and talk about negativity any longer. No. Right? No. But that's what we did. We're delivering the crime and the homicides, but nothing was ever done about it. This show is let's do something about it so that you understand how you can make a difference in this world. People say, can one person really make a difference? Yes. Yes, we quote people from decades ago, and history will show us this person believed, Mm -hmm. and then we followed them. So there's always this leader, and you can become a leader. Some people are like, oh, you're born a leader. Maybe, but I think we all can become one. It's it's what we feel in ourselves, right? It's the value that we have. Jeff Kozatek, by the way, yeah, is our guest, and we're talking about his book, Blueprint for Value. I know George has some of his speaking loaded up for us. We're going to hear a little bit of that, see a little bit of that, and I'm going to see when you decided you wanted to become a motivational speaker, and again, talking more about this Blueprint for Value. So look, look at that. We engage with ourselves. We see ourselves as a person, not just a cog in the machine. It changes how we treat ourselves, which then changes how we treat other people. It's engaging, entertaining, great communicator, ties us to things that are relevant, and it just makes you feel at home. Uh, He's very easy to deal with, very down to earth. I thought he brought it home to everyone in the room, Uh, you know, and if, if you weren't engaged, he'd draw you in. Do you think that made an impact, yes or no? Yes. She felt affirmed. She felt valued. Did it take me a whole lot of time to do that? Yes or no? No! I thought the message is good because value impacts everything we do as human beings. And it's so applicable to any audience anywhere. It's so much easier to just show up and be you when you know that your value is here versus showing up and feeling like you have to do something to earn more value. People are not objects or obstacles. They are people. Really, he just touched on some things that kind of hit, hit home and makes you think about Am I acting that way towards people who work with me and around me? What is your value? What is your value? On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at today? If it's not a 10, what's getting in the way? And where does your value come from? All right, right there, core authenticity. I just love, we talk about real, being authentic. And and that's another thing that you and I kept on. When Jeff and I went to lunch, which was back in, I think, February or March. I think so. uh, That's when our mutual friend introduced us. And we did not even know, yes, thank you, Rick. We did not even (laughs) know that we both talked about value. And you cracked cracked me up because you went, did you just say value? No, you're, hang on, Monica. And he ran out to his car (laughs) and got this book. And then gave me the book, and inside, thank you, by the way, for what you wrote. He said, Monica, uh, great to meet you. Know your value. Always enough. And Mm. then hashtag 
wash your brain? Yep. Tell me about that. That's habit 52. Oh, damn, we're not there yet. Because <laughs> it's the whole uh, personal worth account. Like, I, I don't think, you know, your, your, your intrinsic worth, your intrinsic value never changes, mm -hmm. right? But it's not a checkbox to, to be checked. It's not a box to be checked. It's not like a, a switch that you throw and then you can forget about. Right. I think it takes intentionality. It takes consistency. We have to constantly remind ourselves about that. So we have to hashtag wash our brains. We wash our hands. We brush our teeth. We hope we should be washing Please, our brains. Some of you might need to do it more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please. Which is it, it? Can I use that as a segue to talk about my son real yes. quick? Well, I was just and then we can to come back to, to the, the yeah. speaking bit. Yes. Is that okay? Yes. Please. Okay. So, um, you know, I've been coaching since 2014, mm -hmm. but I also need coaches, we right? Yep. Because it's not a box to be checked, mm -hmm. right? We need that outside perspective. So when my wife started to face the the cancer stuff, and she when she went into to chemo, uh, I hired a coach to work with me for a month. It was back in April. Mm -hmm. And and it was great because I was like, I need to make sure that I'm on top of my game to be the best husband, the best father, and the best, what, excuse me, best coach and everything for my clients, right? So I hired the coach and April was awesome. So I get to May and I'm like, I'm good now. So I let my coach go and go through May, get in the middle of June, and I'm not doing so hot. Mm -hmm. I want to connect with my wife and she's fighting for survival. Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to connect with my kids and they're doing their stuff. And so one day we're at dinner and I just, I'm talking to my son and he gives me one of those 13 year old boy answers. And it just, it just made me really angry. And it was? And, and I, I don't remember what oh. he said as much as I remember my reaction mm -hmm. because I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I just grabbed the kettle chips in my plate and I crushed them slowly and it felt so good <laughs> and in that moment my son is looking at me and my wife is looking at me and she's like are you okay i'm fine <laughs> it's fine and then my son in all of his infinite wisdom at 13 goes dad do you want to go check on the cats with me and in my head i'm thinking no I don't want to go check on the cats. I want to connect. I want to have conversations. Mm -hmm. I am feeling the weight of all of this stuff, and I just want to connect. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, wait, if we go and check on the cats, we'll connect. Mm -hmm. All this happened in like half mm -hmm. a second. So I'm like, sure. So we go over to check on the cats. He he works over at uh, Whisker Station, the, the cat cafe in, in Kirkwood. Okay. And, and he also helps out uh, with some other cats. So we go into this other place. We're, we're checking out the cats, and it was like – textbook textbook where they're playing with the cats for like five minutes you know what that did that reset my brain mm -hmm. right because now we're out here and then then he says dad are you stressed i'm like yeah and then he says well what's got you stressed and i said well son blah 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 and i give him my laundry list so now it's out here mm -hmm. so then he asks me at 13 well what are you what are you going to do about it i'm like uh, well, I guess I'm going to retire and I'm going to give you my coaching business. And, exactly. Right? It's an old soul. And so I start, I start, so, well, you know, this is what I did and I'm not currently doing it. So now that you mentioned it, I'm probably going to do these things. And then he wraps it up with, well, what are you going to do for you? Oh, I love it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to shoot some photos. I'm going to do whatever. But like that moment, I think is so important because sometimes we look at people facing big things, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we think, wow, they, they must do it perfect. And, and, and they no. don't. Even as coaches, like there are moments when, when we make mistakes and we need our team at 26 fellowship. It's really, you're going to love that. One. Okay. 
but we need that outside perspective. Yep. And and when we can walk through stuff, we acknowledge what's going on, we take a look at what we what we have to face, and then we make a plan and we take care of ourselves in the middle of it. I mean, sky's the limit. Isn't it amazing though? Now I don't. I wasn't blessed, and I say that is a blessing. I was not blessed with children, Jeff, but. They are watching, they are little sponges, they are hearing, yeah. they are seeing all of this happen, and they are not given enough value and worth, uh, I think, like they need to. It's too easy for people in this society to say, oh, those millennials, or oh, the gen this, oh, they're not worth anything, They're yeah. what they're saying. No, they have a lot to offer, and so often we can learn from so many generations. We always say to sit with the older generation and what they've come from. But I also want you to sit and listen. Why I want more kids in the blue chair Mm -hmm. is because I want to know what they're facing. I mean, I've talked a lot about bullying on this show, and we think about bullying when we were younger. Yeah, but they have it ten times that because they have social media bullying and in-person bullying and multiple levels of bullying. They can't get away from it. And then they don't know their value at a very, very young age. Let me look at some of the comments. So, my only holdback was asking questions. I was always made to feel inferior about anything I asked. So many different people squashed me, which still affects me today, to not continue to ask probing questions. I felt small, and I was a major introvert. Carrie says, I have a Jeff. Her name is Janice Frick, and, the, and she introduced me to Monica. Yes, she, you're right. Absolutely. Yay. Um, I feel the same. I wish you well. Who's, what's this? That's right. I get that. Thank you, Jeff and Monica. Um, Jillian, I know my value. That's why I stopped saying yes to accepting only a few hundred dollars a week. After 25 years of my job, I am worth a heck of a lot more than that. Absolutely. Way to go to all of you that are saying that. Uh, finish listening later. Got it uh, at work. Nope, no problem. So I think there's even more comments on here that, that passed before I got to it. So sorry I didn't see them, but I'll go back and I'll have Jeff as well because he'll be able to look at this. And we'll comment and answer any questions of, of those of you. But those of you that have said you know your value, beautiful. Mm. It's an incredible place to get to, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. It's life-changing. Yes. Once, once my coach helped me reframe that and, and see that inside myself, I think my – well, you have to ask my wife, but I think my marriage improved, mm-hmm. uh, my parenting improved, and I believe that my work improved, and, and just my general quality of life. When did you say, I want to become a motivational speaker, and this is going to be my platform? Well, there I was. 2012. I'm sitting with my coach – he helped me create a new filter for looking at my life, and I realized just because I can't do something doesn't mean I should. Mm-hmm. Videos and photography can be a nice hobby that writes a, writes a check every so often, but performing is really it. Why is performing it for me? Because as a performer, my goal is to offer you a safe space to be you so that you can drop the mask you wear to survive and have an honest laugh next to a total stranger, mm-hmm. like that kind of safety. And I would watch people come into my audience and, and take layer after layer off. I'd meet who they are, not who they pretend to be. And then afterwards, they would layer back up and go to the rest of their life. And I just thought, wow, this is really cool And that I get to meet people as they are if they're willing to, to, to drop the masks. But that only lasts for like 30 minutes, maybe, maybe an hour. How can I help people beyond just the show yeah. so that they can keep living in this space and be who, who they are, not – who society says they need to be. Mm-hmm. So I started speaking on how worth and value play out in leadership, teamwork, communication, how we face adversity, how we handle change, and how we navigate the work-life balancing act. And so that way I could equip my audience with tools so they could live in that space beyond just the, the keynote. And then I thought, well, shoot, you know, sometimes people get these tools and they don't know how to 
know what to do with them yet. Right. So I got certified in coaching with the Values Conversation and then with the John Maxwell team. I got training in emotionally focused therapy so I could actually walk with people to help create that sustainable change. And that, <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like thousands of people giving a standard innovation feels really good. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's the, okay. So I'm, I'm just going to go there with all of my personal training clients and all those that I coach. And the one big thing that they come back and they said, no, I, I don't need the compliment. Yes, it feels good. It feels good for someone to say, I, by the way, I do really love that jacket. When you came in, never looks Thank great you. on you. I mean, you know, I'm big into fashion. Those shoes. He went and did the whole thing. So you got to kick the shoes up. <laughs> right? So he knew his value. And you know the importance of what are we putting out there to the public? We're yeah. showing that first impression, all of that. It is nice to get the compliment. Are you doing it for everyone else? Hopefully not. Because one of the things that I always tell everybody is, who is the most important person in the equation of your life? Mm. You. You have to take care of you. And then Brandy, the kids, Jim, my mother, my friends, they're all going to go, oh, there's this little shift. I like shift instead of change. There's right. this shift in Monica that feels light and airy, and we're all getting along better. Why? Because she decided to take care of herself and, and understand the balance of life instead of go, 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 work, 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 which I still do a lot of. Yeah. So this is where you always say the coach needs the coach. I need people to check me and say, Monica, how much are you doing for you and Jim? How much are you doing for you and your mom? And we went, if you look at my pictures, by the way, we went boating. So I did chill yeah. this weekend. My family and friends would be happy, but we're always <laughs> learning. Yes. I need more of that re that balance, yeah. that yeah. calmness. We all do. We all need to check. But why do you think people don't like uh, to receive compliments? They say that they don't think they do. But right. They, so why do you think they push back on that? No, I'm saying I, that I think they do need the compliment. Right, right. So I like to be complimented. I mean, it feels really good. But oh, there's this the thing that inside okay. that's like, ah, you know, you compliment me. Let's it. let's redirect it and compliment something the else. Deflection. Or it's about this, and it's really hard to receive the yes, compliment. That's a better question. Gotcha. Why do you think people struggle with receiving the compliment? They don't believe in it. They don't see themselves that way. They see themselves in a whole other way because they don't see this. What? What? Yeah. I'm about blue, by the way, which is a whole other thing. What? We did not plan that. How does that even happen? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, why? So why, why would you say that? Well, I just we live in a society that says you are your performance. And, and I think there's a certain stigma that, that comes from, um, you know, we get a compliment and we're doing something well, like, well, then, then I'm arrogant or egotistical mm -hmm. and I can't, I can't accept that because I'm less than or I don't want to go over here. And so they struggle with, with with the balance. I know I struggle with the balance. And, and as a kid, I was always said, you know, told not to, not to talk highly about myself because mm -hmm. that could be seen as arrogant, egotistical, mm -hmm. not confident and assured, mm -hmm. which is a whole other, whole other topic. Yes. But so when I'm talking with my clients, it's very much about stacking those pebbles of, of historical factual evidence that yes, they did this. Yes, they did this. Yes, we moved forward here and we can compliment that because we're not complimenting what you do doesn't make you more valuable or less valuable. It's just that, hey, you are acting in alignment with your values and who you are as a human being mm -hmm. and we can call that out. That's okay. 
I love the fact that you said confidence because on you were on my Thursday night life coaching class. And thank you, by the way, for, for doing that several thank months you. back. I asked them just this past Thursday, like, what do you think confidence is? How do you know that a person's confident when they walk in the door? What is it about their presence? And they all answered, oh, sure. body, yes, body language, right? Your shoulders yeah. are back. Your chest is up. You actually have eye contact instead of looking down to the floor because you're not confident in yourself. Right. And then I said, so do you look at that person and think that they're arrogant? Do you understand what confidence is? Where does mm -hmm. confidence come from? Yes, it's a whole nother show. And it's an important show because I think if someone is introverted, can they become an extroverted introvert? Yes. There's there's a really beautiful book. The very first the, the very first book, and it's so funny that I remember thirty years ago, the very first author I ever interviewed was the author of the book, The Introvert Advantage. And wow. they laughed at me because they said, oh, this is going to be a fun interview. Because I said, isn't that an oxymoron? And they went, oh, this is going to be fun. This <laughs> coming from a person who's obviously a type A. And I said, I am. I am. But was I introverted when I was younger? Yes, there's parts of me. I was always the ham. I always you? loved. Yeah, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking news. <laughs> Live on the Adams show. Adam. <laughs> My mom said she would be at the grocery store, and I'd be talking to the, the person checking out, whatever, and she's like, oh, my gosh, come here, Monica. She said, I was always worried somebody was just going to steal you because you're talking to all these strangers. And yeah. I said, but that's where I learned how much I love and listening to people. Mm. I would just – I was enamored. I would hang around – my parents' friends more than I would hang around my own friends because I wanted to learn from them. I was fascinated by what they already went through. So I was already, I already had that at a very young age. But, yes. Is there a time where all of a sudden we all go through the awkward stages? We all mm -hmm. go through, am I enough? My mom swears that my confidence came. Are you ready? I'm ready. From karaoke. You want to know why? <laughs> Not expected. Nobody expected. Do you want to know why? Yes. Why? I, I love to sing, and I've been singing since I was young, and I do love singing and dancing. Aww. But I was in choir in high school, and she's like, you were so scared and so nervous that I would look above the people. I'd be like this singing. And she's like, honey, you got to look down at them. And I'm like, no, looking at their faces freaks me out. And then karaoke, the first place ever in town that I know that had karaoke was Cattleman Steakhouse, which was up in Florissant. Okay. And we were all like, what's this? Every Saturday night we would go. The guy was the, he was so cool. He would give you a cassette tape as soon as you were done. He would give you the cassette tape, and then you would walk off stage. They also had these video screens, and here yeah. you are like your own little rock star. And my mom's like, you would ham it up. People would come up. They loved your voice, so they would ask you to sing their song mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. And she said, I watched you after that. That was like your own stage. And and the affirmation back of, oh, you can sing. Oh, oh we want gosh. you to sing. So she swears, karaoke. Karaoke, karaoke did it. Yes. So, so you had karaoke and I had I had theater because I am definitely yep. introverted. Mm -hmm. Like the one to one conversations, that's me being alone. <laughs> that's me, <laughs> right? But but as a kid, I I didn't have I didn't lack confidence in stepping up and making a fool of myself. Mm -hmm. So when I got up on stage and people started clapping and, and applauding, like that felt really good. And when you're and you're screaming to be seen and you're screaming uh, to be worthy and to have value, and then you get that through your performance. Yeah. Oh my gosh, great. that that totally that mm -hmm. totally changed everything. Well, and it's the same thing with this, right? So you're all commenting, you you all feel something from what Jeff and I are saying. We appreciate, um, you know, the feedback from you. It was great. Michelle commented to Marilyn's response earlier about holding back and not asking questions, and she and Michelle said. Those were not your people. You certainly deserve to be treated better. 
ask Aww. those questions. It's so true. Michelle's learning a lot, by the way. She's been one of my best friends since 2010, and I've watched her blossom and, and what she's learned. And so this show is therapy for everyone. And, and the questions thing, you're going you're gonna to love this book, Blueprint yes. for Value, because <laughs> one of the habits is ask. Yep. And it's all about asking until you understand to, and not shutting down beforehand. I didn't ask questions. I stopped growing personally when I didn't think that I had any worth or any value. Because I'm like, why would I invest in myself if I'm not, if I don't have any, if, if I'm not enough? And once I crossed that hump and realized, no, I'm a 10 no matter what. And I'm like, that is a person that is worth investing in. That is a person worth asking questions until he understands and then he can move forward. And if somebody's not willing to, to answer my questions or help me out, then I need to move into a different direction because they're in a different place. I hope today that you have learned some tools because we said we can give you the tools, but it's all about how are you going to take them forward. And we're going to wrap the show up with the book. And again, you can get it at coreauthenticity.com or just take a look for it. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon. I'm hoping yes, also. Okay, good. Blueprint for Value. It's 52 Habits to Discover and Strengthen Your Personal Worth. Uh-huh. We're going to read this and this is how we're going to wrap things up. So number 15 is fuel. fuel. You are what you eat. You, Will you read the first line? You need power to run. The food you consume can strengthen you and improve your efficiency or slow you down and cloud your judgment. Are you eating junk food but expecting to function at peak performance? How many of my clients have heard me say this? A simple food change can have a tremendous impact on... Your mind's ability to think clearly. Your body's ability to repair itself and function properly. And your perspective on your circumstances. So what is in your diet. The takeaway is eat foods that propel your body rather than slow it down. It's so true. There's more. I know. Food is more than just filling or a good taste. It's necessary fuel to keep your body running. I mean, seriously, drop drop the mic. (laughs) I don't know how many times I have said before you come to a workout, did you eat anything? Well, then how do you expect to be really truly performing when you have a fuel in you and then you can't think properly and you go throughout the day and you don't see the value in the necessity of that that's just one of many tools we can give you my friend thank you thank you if i can reach across and give him a hug i I don't want to knock these microphones i told you he would be good i want you to follow him maybe Uh get an opportunity to see him in an actual motivational speaking which he's great and thank you by the way because he's the reason that I am speaking in September uh, at a caregiver conference that you yes. spoke at. So thank you for believing in me, seeing the value in me. And, and I, I truly hope that you are able to see both Jeff and me on stage together because I think we have big things to do together. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of The Real Monica Adams Show. And I hope that you take just one thing from today's show. Remember, it's small changes that amount to the large ones that you've been seeking in your life. If you've been suffering from mental health, depression, anxiety, fear, PTSD, you have to start small. But I'm giving you the tools on my show each and every day, again, on Facebook and YouTube, and then listening to the message on this audio podcast platform. If there's a show you would like for me to do, a particular topic, do me a favor, shoot me an email, info at therealmonicaadams.com, and I will take care of that for you. Thank you again for tuning in today, and we will see you very soon. Mm-hmm.